live long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 184 of A Play on Nerds. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. And we're here to host the hell out of this, as Steve would say. That's right. Co-host the hell out of it. (laughs) And in honor of the movie you're all, of course, going to be seeing in theaters, Godzilla Zero coming out, the Japanese uh, release that's coming out in theaters here in the U.S., we're going to be talking about the 1998 classic Godzilla, the Brodericking. <laughs> yeah, the Brodericking. <laughs> yeah, the Brodericking. Um, I'm sure we all love that movie. It's great. Oh, man. I think I saw that. I think I saw it at least two times in theaters as a kid. Uh, yeah, I'm I saw it in theaters, sure that too. That's probably the last time I saw it. <laughs> but, yeah, what have you been up to since we last talked, Steve? Oh, man. Since last time we talked, Anna's mom came to town. Mm, the in-law. Uh, and very quickly, too. We were chatting with her on, like, a Thursday evening. Or Friday evening, and she and she said, "I finally want to plan my trip." She had, she bought a house, and then she had to get moved in. She had to get renovations done. She finally was like, "I'm done with all that. I want to come visit." We said, "Fine." What are you thinking? She's like, "I looked at flights for Thursday." We're like, "Which Thursday?" And she went, "This coming Thursday." And we went, "Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, okay, Paula, yeah, come on." So she came in a whirlwind. I got a few days off. Um, Joyce coincidentally had a few days off for teacher in-service stuff. Um, so we got to go do some fun stuff. We did the zoo and we went down to the strip district and uh, strip club. Yeah, the strip club. No, strip <laughs> district. We didn't share for many, but we did some Pittsburgh kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then day three, me and I think Dilly both, I know I did, both got really sick oh. and just had got laid up. So we did a few minor things, but I got sick and then I ended up being sick from work. What kind like, of sick? Was, um, the thing when Anna's mom was here was uh, like the worst, just the worst, uh, some really bad sinus pressure. Like my, my, uh, my allergies mixed with colds out here is just, is just destroying me. Um, so I'm just surviving cold and flu season. Yeesh. Uh, but so then she, she went, she had a good time and we got back to normal a little bit. Well, that's good. That's LB whirlwind. Oh, I actually also got sick. I, for the first time in I don't know how long, got like a actual stomach bug. I think it's probably the most common thing people use as an excuse to get out of work. Like, oh, I got a stomach bug. But like, I just woke up in the morning and had breakfast. And actually, no, I didn't have breakfast yet. So like, I'm not hungry, strangely. I usually am starving when I wake up in the morning. I immediately eat as soon as I get up. But I was like, I'm not hungry. I'm just going to sit around and just drink some water. And I was getting dizzy. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm going to throw up. And so I just went and started throwing up everything for like an hour. And then just was laid out. And then I got like flu-like symptoms, but yet no sore throat, no coughing, no sniffling. Just felt I had a low-grade fever and was just like sick for three days. And I couldn't – I lost five pounds in, in like two days. Didn't eat a damn thing. Um, it was just like out. But the problem was even after that when I was feeling better, the throwing up made my throat so rough that I could – it was hard for me to record. So like it was lasting past those two or three days just trying to record little bits of material for my job. And that sucked. <laughs> and I was like, I just realized that in the whole time I've been doing voiceover, I've never had like a stomach flu 
or I've never thrown up since I've gotten sick or since I've started doing voiceovers. So I realized how bad it is for your, for your voice when you throw up because it all that acid just like wrecks your throat. I'm like, oh, shit, that's really sucks. So now I know that I'll be getting some kind of remedy in the future, like a what is it, performer spray or whatever there is that stuff you have. Um, oh yeah i don't know something like that like throat I, coat spray or whatever the hell yeah because i was like downing um tea with le- lemon and honey throat coat tea and stuff and it was helping a little bit but I uh, what i used to do that actually uh, the uh, kit haskett turned me on to when i was sick right before some competition was you just get ginger and you just chew it you yeah. chew raw ginger so right to the left of me is i have ginger chews and I was sitting there chewing on those two, and um, I love ginger. I put ginger in everything um, that I can because I just, I put it in normally. Um, so yeah, I was definitely trying that too. But yeah, they were raw they're like, cube ginger. I didn't get the raw kind, probably. That oh man, it it burns in like a, a satisfying way. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> I love ginger so much. But yeah, then I'm uh, this. I'm leaving on Monday to go to Asheville with my my sister has moved to Asheville, uh, North Carolina. That's right, it's very exciting. Yeah, and so for the first time, we're gonna visit her and see her house. She's renting out there for now. Um, while they figure out what house they're gonna buy, um, and they have a house on stilts out there, which is right by the water apparently. So it's gonna nice. be really pretty. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's exciting. And well, uh, give her our congratulations. We're so excited that she gets to be close to the family. And I think we should sincerely all start talking now about like we talked about a summer Georgia trip. Yeah. All the kids to go get to, to go. Cabin, get all the kids together. Get all the adults together. That would be fun. Once the house So we is need finished. to start, ta- start talking now. That would be great. Yeah. Because we're all on the East Coasters now. That's <laughs> right. It's a possibility now. We could drive there. Exactly. My brother and his wife drive their kid down to Georgia like three times a year. Well, there you go. Just hop on yeah. with them. <laughs> and mind you, it's a different part of Georgia. And if I remember correctly, the cabin is like right over the Florida border. It it's is. Like yeah. It's it, South it's Georgia. South Georgia. <laughs> and it's in the deep South. Let me tell you what. <laughs> the South. <laughs> but I think that brings us to some uh, nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. All right, this week on Nerdy News, I've got a cheeky name for my cheeky story, and it is Heavy Metals Ruining Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it is for the endangered green sea turtle. Oh. Researchers have noticed something funny in recent hatchings, and there are higher and higher proportions of female turtles than male turtles in recent hatchings. In some cases, as much as 100 to 1. Damn. Well, Dr. Arthur Barraza, a researcher at the Australian Rivers Institute at Griffith University, uh, through an in-depth study, and then I've just, I'm not going to sugarcoat this, where they stole a bunch of baby turtle eggs, <laughs> let them hatch, euthanized them, oh. dissected them to look at their junk, and then stole their livers. Oh, my God. <laughs> but don't worry. All of this was in partnership with the University of Queensland and the Queensland Parks and Wildlife Service. <laughs> I don't know how they pulled that off. <laughs> they they apparently had to go in front of some sort of animal ethics committee put together by the two to propose what they were doing and the show was to, for the greater good. Show that it was yeah that it was for the greater good of understanding why this was happening. Um, well, uh, they took the livers and they started examining them to figure out what was in them, and they looked for you know a couple dozen common heavy metals. And in them, they found a crap ton of one they called, I didn't know, called antimony. I didn't know that was a thing. Neither did I. And cadmium. No cadmium. And apparently, these two 
uh, are what's resulting in higher levels of female babies, turtles, because they resemble chemically the sex hormone that makes female baby turtles. Mm. Uh, and so it's tricking these these turtles' bodies into just producing these crazy vast amounts of females. And the issue is, is that with more females being born, less are going to be able to find mates, and it's going to lead them on a path to extinction. Damn. Where's this metal coming at, from? Uh, who knows? Ocean, microplastic, micrometals, pollution, you know. It's probably our fault, basically. Your poison. It is probably our fault, yes. That's the answer. <laughs> Uh, but of course, that's why heavy metal is ruining everything. Bait and switch, there, man. <laughs> ah, you know they love it. Well, I think that takes us to our main segment. That's right. All right. Well, um, this week, Godzilla, the Brodericking, a giant fishing ship is seemingly attacked at sea. Smash cut to Matthew Broderick singing show tunes. His name is Nick Totopoulos, radiation scientist who's been tapped by the government to investigate the mysterious incident. Uh, but some French guys are already there investigating. They find a survivor who can only utter one word, Gojira. Back at the site, they find a bunch of radiation, a giant footprint, and some flesh samples. Meanwhile, in New York City, for some reason, we meet Audrey, <laughs> a wannabe reporter whose misogynistic boss, uh, and she used to date Nico. Like, it's, it's a great, she's just everything's terrible for her. She needs her big break and a big story when she sees Nick on the new, on the TV, and uh, she sees her big chance to get her big story. Uh, Gojira, as he's still currently known, attacks New York Harbor. And finally, we get our first real look at the beast. Audrey's cameraman, Animal, playing by uh, Frank Azaria, uh, gets the first good shot of Gajira. Uh, but Gajira, uh, uh, let's see, the humans scramble to find him. Gajira disappears. They set a trap by piling fish in a big pile. And it comes for it, and they shoot at it, and it's not effective, and they chase it, and it kicks their butts and it escapes. Somehow. Against all odds, it escapes. <laughs> Uh, Audrey gets close to Nick. She finds out the creature might be pregnant and she steals a secret tape and, and dashes the hell out of there. She betrays him. She betrays him. Nick is dismissed as crazy when he tells people that Godzilla is, is pregnant uh, and gets kidnapped by the French guys from earlier who they believe him and they want to help him. And that's when you realize that you're only halfway through the, this movie. That is literally <laughs> what I wrote. And the I French guys are French are, Secret went, Service for some reason. I went, oh, my God, there's an hour and 10 minutes left. <laughs> it's a long-ass movie. Uh, Animal and Audrey follow Nick and the French guys to break into Manhattan. Meanwhile, the military set up another trap, but Godzilla doesn't fall for it this time. They chase him again. He dies into the water where there's submarines waiting, and they torpedo him, and they're just, they decide he's dead. Uh, Nick and the gang find the nest in Madison Square Garden, and they decide they have to contain it at all costs. They use a link to the news station to to tell the military to destroy the building and to show everybody that the eggs are all here. And they've got only got six minutes to get out. They narrowly escape. The day is saved. Nick and Audrey kiss. The heroes get one-liners. And then Godzilla's fucking back. <laughs> and she is pissed that all her kids are dead. They hop in a cab and are on the run from Godzilla, who earlier we watched outrun Apache helicopters. But for some reason, she can't catch a shitty Chrysler cab. <laughs> um, they find 
a way to contact the military, and they agree to lure Godzilla to the Brooklyn Bridge. Godzilla chases them, gets tangled in wires. The military brings the beast down with multiple rocket strikes, and New Yorkers cheer as it dies. <laughs> yeah, America. Nick is the big hero. Audrey gets the exclusive. The misogynistic boss gets his comeuppance, and one egg survived the hatch somehow. Uh, survives and hatches on screen and they're just assuming there's going to be a sequel which there wasn't <laughs> that's a movie and that's Godzilla come with me <laughs> Um, so this uh, so I just thought about it this is a movie that I saw three times in theaters in like two days oh my god <laughs> I remember because I think I like went with some friends and then went with my dad because it was one thing we could agree on. And then went the next day with with other friends. We probably saw it together. Yeah, you and I were probably one of those. Yeah. One of those three. Um, so I saw this movie a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this movie had some good parts and in some ways was better than I remembered. Yeah. Broderick is charming. There's too much of his like befuddled n- nonsense. Like just like this movie is overall a half hour too long, at least. Yeah, I'll get more into Broderick stuff later. Believe you me. So he's okay. He's somewhat charming. Um, there's just too much side stuff. They take too long to collide all the plots, uh, and because of that, it just it feels muddled. And the French guys, it's just confusing. The like the the major who was kind of working with them, they try to make him like into a character. Yeah, and they like, and you were supposed to like him, and you were supposed to like that underling guy. So there were some good actors in this that really did pull some good stuff out of it. Mm. Uh, something else I thought was good uh, was, and this is something that was a shame they they didn't or couldn't do with Big Godzilla, but when it was the little Godzillas, I thought they did a really successful job mixing the CGI with the practical effects that they did. That was actually one of my main like points was that, and I, was I think like, the there's a lot of practical effects. effects looked good yeah like, looked, looked real, real good. good um and i thought they blended the two together well it's a shame they couldn't find a way to do that with big godzilla yeah in a better way in a better way um but that that i thought was very successful like i wonder if that one shot where it's like matthew broderick real close to godzilla's head if the head was an actual animatronic i don't remember or something it looked pretty yeah. good so it might have been but uh yeah, I, th- I wrote that same thing down. Like, I was like, hey, this is like the last time, like, huge blockbusters like this tried to do that pretty well with like a mix of CGI and practical effects, especially with the mini Godzillas. They like, there are a lot of those were real puppets. Was, a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool. Um, so there, there were some good things like that. I did like that they developed the story and they gave it time. Now, mind you, that, ex- that, it, turned into a very long film but i like the idea of them going and discovering the flesh and making assumptions and having another encounter and then being able to do some more things and that way it felt kind of star trekky yeah it, it could have regard. been i agree it could have been <laughs> um the thought was but, there and then you get a lot of weird simpsons cameos yeah harry sheer harry sheer jennifer then, cartwright um, and jennifer cartwright yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, you get to see 75% of all Simpsons voices. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Um, but otherwise, the the most other things fall into the dislike category. Yeah. For my like category, my main was, like I said, the CGI practical effects, like you were mentioning, but also uh, in the beginning and especially like the whole first half of the movie before we see a lot of Godzilla, I thought they did that really well because they weren't going to show a ton of him. 
that we had a lot of that Jaws effect where we didn't see him. It was anticipation and like you see parts of him and it reminded me of Cloverfield in that way where it works really well. I was actually like, ooh, he does seem intimidating and huge and mysterious. And that was like they did that pretty well at the beginning, at least. Um, and, and then like you mentioned a little bit, a lot of great supporting cast of great actors, really? comedic really actors. Good. Um, the bit part military people that the Siskel and Ebert lookalikes who are the mayor and the mayor's assistant, like they were, um, that they were really funny and pretty good, but yeah, the rest of it's going to really fall into this like category. <laughs> oh, truly, truly. Um, yeah, I mean some other thing, and, and once again, just, uh, some plot things that just could have been fixed with some simple writing that would have helped us speed things up. Yeah. I put, uh, in uh, the writing, it's just like. Like you mentioned, a lot of things that could have been good. And like, I feel like they were trying to do all those side plots and side characters because it works so well with his Independence Day movie where you care about Michael Goldblum or Jeff Goldblum's dad and his relationship with him. You care about the the first one, first lady and her what's going on with her and all these different like different relationships. They built really well before the whole disaster happened. And so you right. ca- you cared about the characters. That was the same director for that movie. And I feel like they tried to do that here, but really failed. Like, I didn't care about any of these characters <laughs> like, yeah. at all. It, it, and, just, and, and most of it just seemed too quirky and not. Not serious at all. Yeah, it felt, like a, it felt like it was written for children and like for kids. Like the dialogue even felt like it was written by kids for kids. Like, it, oh, yeah. It didn't take itself it. in any way seriously. Uh, just cheesy dialogue. Um, that's why we liked it when we were 12, when it came out, cause it was, <laughs> it was written for us basically. Right. It just, it reeks of the nineties. And, and the yeah. other thing that's crazy about a movie like this, as far as like not holding up. Okay. So think about today. Mm-hmm. If this happened in New York today, so that Frank Azaria's character rushed outside with his, to get his camera out of a van to chase Godzilla, to get the first definitive shot of Godzilla and almost got himself killed. <laughs> today 7 million people would pull their phone out of their pocket yep. and start filming with cameras better than what Frank Azaria had there which was state of the art at the time that stuck out to me pretty hard yeah. and, that, and, it, and Godzilla would be shared in common public knowledge within 15 minutes around the world yeah the fact that no one could see him or know what he looked like is like no that wouldn't be happening and this was right in the cusp of that because like what 2004 maybe everyone had smartphones right. with cameras and not only that, think about how you could, tr- you, the, the tracking of him would have been so much easier because people would be reporting it. Yeah. Instantaneous. As he moved around town, you'd be able to like track based off tweets. Yeah. That's why like um, Cloverfield later on when that was made, it was more of everyone kind of their perspective of filming it and everything. Yeah. But also what stuck out to me with this was seeing the World Trade Center still up oh, and yeah, seeing man. these buildings come down in New York and people running. That well, was like, they, oof, that feels rough. The word, uh, Harry Shearer, when he's doing this uh, yep. report, says like the, the most devastating blow to the city since the World Trade Center bombings. Yeah, because he was saying those words. And I'm like, wait, this movie came out before. And he's like, oh, the bombing. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. You're right. Like, it was just this moment of, oh, my crap. That was too prescient of this movie to be yeah. saying that. It's crazy. Just crazy. Um, And, they, you know, the other thing is, is. Like, why did the French guys need to exist? That was really weird. The French guys didn't need to exist at all. I think at part all. of it you- was like taking the blame off of the U.S. for these all these nuclear tests and randomly just pinning it on the French. 
I guess. Because like who was bombing yeah, who was bombing sense. Japan during World War II? We were, you know, not the yeah. French. <laughs> it made but, no sense. But like they didn't need to be there because and they could have just easily written them out. And then really what should have happened is the second encounter with Godzilla should have been the first. Hmm. Where they chase it, it seems to have him beat. They chase it into the water. It gets hit by the things. Everyone says it's dead. Nick finds the thing. It's like, no, 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 it's pregnant. We gotta look for the, gotta look for the nest. Like, no, we gotta let people back into Manhattan. That could have been the first encounter with Godzilla and skipped the middle forty minutes of the film with no issue. Oh yeah, all the tunnel stuff and all that crap. And it was all just- the tunnel stuff, the searching for Godzilla, that dead point in the middle. That they wrote to give more human time. That's why they wrote that, to give more human time. Yep, probably. All that Hank Azaria um, and her going to the tunnels and stuff. Right, right. But it could have been just as easily that first one. Nick says it. They're like, now nah, you got to get out of here. Audrey runs into him, thinks she's going to get her big story. And he reveals he's been kicked out by the military. And he just needs to get into Manhattan to look for the nest. And she's like, oh, my cameraman can get us into Manhattan. Yeah. And suddenly he needs her. They go in. They get to go to Madison Square Garden. All that crap can still happen. They can mumble their way through it because it's not like the French guys did anything anyway. They didn't no. kill any of the creatures. <laughs> they all went out like friggin' punks. Like punks. Um, and so I just think that that whole thing just could have been gone and it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, I agree. They could have streamlined this whole thing. Uh, and I, I also think Matthew Broderick had really bad acting in this. And like, I know he can act. And so I was like, it was like, first it was a little charming and it was like, oh, this is his character. But then I guess the dialogue was so bad too. That just made it so he just was delivering them really flat and strange. It's like he had three emotions, the whole movie. Where in his career he was I don't for know. this movie. Let's look. Let's see. So this was 98. Yeah. And they said they wrote this part for him. Like he was going to be cast in this part no matter what. So like he must have been doing some stuff besides... You know, um, so his career was not doing the best at this point. <laughs> and they gave him a giant because blockbuster. He did The Lion King. He did Simba. Mm-hmm. And then he did The Road to Wellville, which was kind of middling. Yeah. And then he did Cable Guy, which while now has a huge cult following. At the not time, big at I the don't time. think he did very well at the time. He did a couple of movies I've never heard of. And then this was like his big blockbuster comeback. And did not work out well. And then after this was Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, which okay. he did the voice for. Oh, geez. <laughs> Matthew Broderick did that. Now, mind you, right after that is Election. Now, Election was a good movie for him. Yeah, but Election also more of great. a cult following movie and not like a big right, blockbuster. Right after hit. Election, Inspector Gadget. Oh. <laughs> Up and down, man. But Up thankfully, he did not do Inspector Gadget 2. That was French Stewart. <laughs> That's right. Um, though his best role ever is in 30, 30 Rock as the uh, the Washington, D.C. diplomat Cooter Berger. Oh, I, I think I remember that. I watched that whole show. <laughs> um, that is his best role he's ever done. It's Matthew Broderick as Cooter Berger. He's recently been, it was in um, uh, Only Murders in the Building, and he's really good. And he plays himself, a version of himself in that show, and it's really funny. Hmm. Um but yeah, it's, he's because he's done a lot of Broadway since then. Now he's kind of become more of a Broadway the producers and everything. So he's 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 found his home. He's found a good place. But this was this is pretty rough. I think like Frank Azaria, who doesn't get on camera. Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria. <laughs> yeah. Uh, doesn't get on camera a ton. Did well and was a good character. Yeah, he did well for his character. For his character. I thought, and even though I said they didn't need the French guys, I thought Jean Renault. He's a great actor. Yeah. John did Renaud. great and lended, lent a lot of gravitas. Yeah. 
You believe that he was kind of a badass, basically. You believe it's a mad, and then, but then, even you get the the Elvis thing and them chewing gum, and all that is like real funny. But I, that didn't need to be six French guys. I could have just been him. Yeah, it could have been. He could have been part of any organization, or yeah, something. just him. <laughs> um, so I don't know any other terrible thing. I think we talked about a lot of not great things. I think yeah, I think mostly writing was the big big problem here and also cuts editing they could have cut yeah, a lot my out. god yeah 40 minutes easy but some of the I trivia literally just told you how they could have done it some of the trivia will explain some of the badness that came along here um Ooh. <laughs> so producer dean devlin claimed that because tristar was very secretive about the actual design of godzilla the studio created unique fake designs and sent them to different merchandise manufacturers which was done to test whether the companies could be trusted or not and after Fruit of the Loom, of all people, leaked images of Godzilla on the internet in November of 1997, they lost their license to sell any Godzilla-related apparel. <laughs> so Fruit of the Loom is the one that leaked. Um, Roland Emmerich, the director, admitted that he did not like the original Godzilla from Japan and only agreed to the project after being promised to be able to do whatever he wanted with the series. This was in contrast to the film's original director, Jan DeBont, who grew up a fan of the character. And Jan DeBont later went on to do Twister um, after this movie instead of doing this movie. And looking back in the film, TriStar producer Robert Fry described uh, how the team that took over Godzilla was one of the worst cases of executive incompetence I've observed in my 20-year career. Wow. One of the golden assets of our time was managed as poorly and ineptly as anybody can manage an asset. Emmerich himself has since expressed regret in taking the job. Uh, in a television interview, Matthew Broderick said that the entire cast were given wetsuits to wear underneath their costumes while filming in Hawaii. And they said all those rainy scenes that were throughout the movie. And he was upset because his wetsuit zipped up in the back, which made it difficult to put on every day. And one day during a break in filming, he was talking with co-star Hank Azaria, who had his shirt off, revealing a wetsuit that zipped up in the front. And Broderick remarked, oh, your wetsuit zips up in the front. And puzzled, Azaria replied, they all zip up in the front. Because Broderick had been wearing his wetsuit backwards every day. <laughs> so he's, he's, How did he been getting it on? I don't know. <laughs> That's really someone, funny. You know the worst part? Someone zipped him up. Yeah. Someone must have someone helped him. Someone zipped him up and didn't. They didn't him. want to correct the star of the film that he had they his wetsuit. They didn't correct <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Some assistant did that for like seven days. I was having trouble going to the bathroom and no one told me. Uh, the lead role I'm was. I'm supposed to just go in the suit? <laughs> I thought that's what the suit was for. <laughs> Uh, Toho Studios, who made the original Godzillas, all the Godzilla, they still own Godzilla. They gave uh, tri the TriStar crew a 75-page dossier of what they can and cannot do with Godzilla's character before they made this movie. Uh, this included the following rules. Godzilla's origin has to be tied to a nuclear accident. They did that. He cannot eat people, only fish. And if you watch the movie, he didn't eat any people. He just ate fish. He stepped on people and killed them, but he doesn't eat them. Mm -hmm. Uh, he has to have three rows of dorsal plates, no more than three, uh, no more or less than three toes in his feet and four fingers on his hands. He has to have a long tail. He cannot be made fun of, which I thought was a funny rule. And he cannot die in the movie. So as you might have noticed, many of these points were disregarded because uh, he does die in the movie as well. It's a big glaring one. But as the uh, the creature designer, whose actual name is Patrick Totopoulos, uh, they named the, the character after him, the creature designer. He never received this list of rules, despite Roland Emmerich claiming he did forward it to them. So thus, the designer only got a few specific instructions. Emmerich said he wanted Godzilla to be able to run incredibly fast and not resemble a dinosaur too closely. 
and this is the weird one, he also requested the monster to be slightly erotic and sensual in the way it moves and brushes its tail against the buildings. Ooh. In the end, the creature's design combined reptilian and human-like qualities, as well as masculine and feminine elements. So Roland Emmerich had a hard-on for this creature design, apparently, which is disturbing. Uh, the original plans called for two sequels to be produced, and these plans were scrapped due to the poor reception of the film. But an animated series was made for the sequel series for this uh, this movie called Godzilla the Series, um, in which basically Matthew Broderick finds that egg and the creature uh, uh, attaches to Matthew Broderick as like a, a mother or father figure. So he has it like as a pet in the series and apparently lasted for one season and then it did OK. Um, and Jan de Bont, uh, the guy who was going to direct this film originally before Roland Emmerich, his dream cast for it was going to be Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt in those two lead roles. And since he got he did he left the project, he stole them and went over to made Twister with them. Twister. Yep. Yeah. So I'll I could see them, them in those roles, though. They'd be really good in those two roles. They would have been better, I think. It'd be more Jurassic Parky if it was Bill Park Paxton and Helen Hunt. Yeah, it would be less much less wormy. Yeah, more like this is guy can handle himself instead of the Matthew Broderick character was just like he's all over the place. And then he wouldn't have needed the Jean Renault character to make it feasible that he could survive any of this. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he really can't. <laughs> all right. So that brings us to our bit for the show, which uh, I was it's a secret bit. But Steve, so while you're all you're going to know at the head of time is that it is oh, a God. Mad Lib. OK, great. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> So you have to give me the the uh, kinds of words I asked for. And in the end, you'll find out what story you've created. So first, Steve, I need you to give me a city. Any city in the world. Zanzibar. Zanzibar. All right. Now we need an adjective. Um, gleefully. Is that mm. an adjective? Yeah. Well, gleeful, I guess. I guess gleefully gleeful. would be an adverb, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, now, a verb. Verb. Uh, thrust. Thrust. All right. Now, a verb ending in ed. Uh, thwarted. Ooh. Now, a noun. Fish. <laughs> It's like what we were talking about earlier. A lot of fish. Now an adverb. It's like an ing verb, basically. Um, flipping. <laughs> okay, I'm already seeing what it's going to create. Uh, verb ending in ed. Uh, uh lanced. Lanced. I'm trying to pick weird ones. <laughs> an occupation. Plumber. Oh, I like it. It's very uh, working man. Uh, verb? Uh, hit. Now we need a noun. So I'll be worth it, folks. I promise. <laughs> Overpromise. Underdeliver. Uh, a pit. <laughs> okay. Uh, we need a verb. Uh, cross. Like cross your arms. Okay. Uh, verb ending in ed. Licked. Licked. Plural noun. Seagulls. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking what this is going to say. That's ridiculous. Verb. Um, kick. Uh, action. 
Like Kick. A, there you go. <laughs> a place. Not like a proper place, but like a place. You know what I mean? Palace. All right. Uh, adjective? Um, let's see. Uh, adorable. <laughs> there we go. All right. Now I need a verb ending in ed again. Uh, uh, jumped. And a verb. A wash. <laughs> a noun. This is longer than I thought. Sorry. <laughs> Hat. Hat. Um, adjective. Boy, 32 more to go. 32 left. L- uh, lovely. Lovely. <laughs> All right. Verb ending in ED. Uh, supposed. No, that's not a verb. I guess it is. Yeah, it is. That works. You suppose someone. You suppose something. Yeah, supposed. Yeah. And then uh, a landmark. Mount Rushmore. Okay. Give me a verb ending in ED. Discovered. <laughs> a regular verb. Uh, to, to hate. <laughs> and one more landmark. Chicago. That's not a landmark. That's a city. That bean in Chicago. Chicago bean. <laughs> Is that Chicago? Yeah, Chicago. Okay, yeah. Verb ending in ED. Painted. Noun. Uh, police. Uh, that's a, more like a people. No. Officer. Officer. Okay, there we go. Uh, emotional state. Distraught. That's what you are right now. <laughs> Damn. Uh, adjective. Uh, adjective. Uh, woefully. Woeful. 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 And then last Keeping one. Wise in the end of things. Last Goddamn. one. Adjective. Adjective. Um, fearful. Okay. Here we go. All right. Let's hear it. All right. So this Mad Live is called. Monster movie Mad Libs, Godzilla's Manhattan Mayhem. This is the plot of the movie you just gave me, uh-huh. but now made into a Mad Lib of your, of your creation. Love it. All right, here we go. In the bustling streets of Zanzibar, a gleeful day took an unexpected thrust when Godzilla <laughs> thwarted from the fish. <laughs> People ran flipping as buildings lanced in his wake. Nick Tatopoulos, the plumber, tried to hit the chaos. Amidst the destruction, Godzilla encountered a group of, I missed that one, plural nouns, led by Audrey Timmons, who was armed with a pit. They attempted to cross Godzilla, but he skillfully licked away. Meanwhile, Mayor Ebert and his seagulls debated the best way to kick the situation. As Godzilla continued to kick, he stumbled (laughs) upon a palace where he found a stash of adorable fish. He happily jumped on the unexpected snack, momentarily distracted from the chaos he caused. The military, led by Colonel Hicks, devised a plan to wash Godzilla and restore hats. (laughs) In a climactic showdown, Godzilla faced off against lovely military forces and cunning reporters. The battle reached its peak when Godzilla discovered Mount Rushmore. (laughs) Despite the destruction... 
the city rallied together to hate Godzilla towards the Chicago <laughs> bean. <laughs> hate, hate, hate. <laughs> In the end, Godzilla painted back into the officer, leaving behind a city in distraught, <laughs> but with newfound respect about the power of woeful creatures. The citizens of New York had a fearful tale to tell, a story of survival, unexpected alliances, and the resilience of the human spirit. <laughs> wow. Well played, Stephen. Great story. I would watch, I would watch that movie. <laughs> I just love the uh, adorable fish and the lovely military forces. <laughs> the lovely military force. <laughs> All right. I think it brings us to some radical recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. Oh, man, my radical recommend this week, I was asking my wife, what, should we, what have I liked recently? She goes, homemade breads. That's my radical recommend. <laughs> Anna's been making some dope-ass homemade bread recently. Uh, she made a, a bunch of focaccia, and she just figured out how to make a Dutch oven loaf. Mm. And uh, and it has been awesome. She's even now experimenting with sandwich bread, still working on it. But uh, I highly recommend homemade bread. Now, is this with a bread maker or like a, a from scratch kind of method type of thing? From scratch. Damn. Yeah. And her focaccia loaves are dope. And I bring this up because tomorrow, uh, the day after we record, not the day after we release, uh, Thursday, no, uh, no, Friday, November 17th is uh, National Homemade Bread Day. Oh, I didn't know that. And so she made some loaves for me to take into work. Oh, isn't that nice? And I, after this, I've got to go upstairs and I've got to make some garlic compound butter. Ooh, mm, that yeah. goes good on everything. <laughs> well, it's good she's not doing it the trendy way, like where everyone was doing that during the pandemic when they were stuck in the house. They were all making bad bread, but she's no, actually she, doing it for real. <laughs> well, she just realized like bread now at the grocery store is like four or five bucks a loaf. It's crazy. Yeah, and eggs were expensive and, there for a while too. And so she's like, if I can figure out how to make our own bread for you know seventy cents a loaf, damn, why wouldn't cheap. I? And I said, yeah. Damn right. Yeah, I need to do it. I love it. Well, <laughs> I well, the, the other thing is, is not say it's not labor intensive. It's just it's time intensive. But most of the time is like letting it rise. You're not doing anything for most of the time of bread making. That is nice. So, not, not too labor intensive. So uh, that's my recommendation. Homemade bread. Well done. Well done. I'll try it out sometime. Your, your wife's bread. <laughs> trailer reviews. <laughs> All right, so this week we're talking about a movie that I've heard rumors of, but I never thought would actually get made because they've talked about so many of these Sony Marvel collaboration movies in the Spider-Verse. Madam Web, starring, uh, uh, what's her face? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Meg, Meg Ryan's, not Meg Ryan's daughter. But, um, yeah, something Dakota like Johnson. Dakota, yeah, Don Johnson's daughter. From, uh, there we go, Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson's daughter. Her, her, her career escaped only to be captured by this movie. Right in this movie's web. <laughs> so, Steve, what is this movie about? Did you, did you get a sense of what? <laughs> so, I think I gave you a synopsis yeah. earlier. Um, I was like, who's this lady? Is she Spider-Man or Spider-Woman? But she can see the future. And there's an evil Spider-Man who's probably not Venom, but might be Venom. And then there's other Spider-Women that are her friends who may also have powers. But they don't know who she is, but they do. And she can see the future. <laughs> um, 
I don't know what this movie is, what audience it's trying to reach and what it's trying to accomplish. I think we're still getting the after effects of the giant material boom of these Marvel movies and superhero movies that are finally all the final whimpers of them are being released, but that long ago has petered out, but now they're still having to release these movies that they made and like, ah, crap, this still has to come out because no one asked for this. Nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see Blue Beetle. Nobody wants to see any of this garbage that's coming out. It's just, yeah, it's like the last remnants before, uh, what's his face gun takes over and like really, Starts figuring out what the hell they're doing with all this crap. Yeah, and I know this is a technically a Marvel-ish oh, film, Marvel. but but still, it doesn't matter. Like this, I'm is, wrong. Someone needs to take the reins on this shit. Well, yeah, it's still that this this fledgling Sony Marvel universe thing with the Venom uh, and, the, and the terrible vampire movie, where the hell his name was. Just um, let it go, guys. Yeah, I think they have, but there's still movies in the can they have to release, which. I don't I don't know. This is like someone has to stop this madness. It looks vaguely interesting. Maybe I'll watch Look, it a Sunday Mar- night. Marvel on- proper is having a rough moment. Yeah, someone can capitalize. Someone like I think uh, now speaking of James Gunn in DC, I think he is in a perfect position to capitalize if he doesn't screw it up, if he doesn't screw it up, if they give Well, I think if they give him the freedom he needs, I think he's going to do it. Unfortunately, he's not doing I, a, a I trust com- him. He should have done a complete complete clean slate but he's not he's keeping the stuff that he likes that he made like the peacemaker and the amanda waller and all that stuff he's keeping that on in the universe somehow and i don't know how he plans to do that but it's like you should have just done a complete clean slate so you have like a whole new universe that's gonna be just yours you can be the kevin feige of the dc universe but he's not so i don't know what the hell he's doing no no no. i think i think if anything he he is, he learned, he's learned, he's taking what he learned at Disney and he's taking it to DC and it was very successful at Disney. So I'm going to disagree with you on this one in that when Disney absorbed Marvel, it became the question of like, well, what's going to survive? And the answer is whatever makes money is going to survive and everything else gets cut. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. He learned that from watching Disney's transition. And he's taking the same steps and he's using them here. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to pay off. He hasn't really released a bad movie. So, um, right. Exactly. I don't think the suicide squad was that great. The new, the new one that he made, it was, it was all right, but I agree. It was heads and tails better than the first one. Great. I'll agree with that aspect of it. It was a lot more fun to watch for sure. (laughs) Yeah. At least I knew I was in for this crazy thing. And I love how uninteresting Madam Web seems that we have. We're just talking about completely different things. <laughs> who gives a shit about this movie? That's correct. Um, so this movie. <laughs> this is. Uh, I'm going to give this movie. Uh, Raul Julia is like getting ready to go out, and he's like, "Gary, are you ready?" And we got to get to the cinema. We only have 20 minutes. Gary comes out, and he's dressed as Batman. <laughs> Gary, why are you dressed like Batman? We're going to go see Madam Web. He goes. Madam Web is Sony, not DC. Go change. But my jam, but my Spider-Man jammies are wet. Fine, wear the Batman costume, and they go. And why are they wet? No, never mind. Don't tell me. Don't. I don't want to know. Uh, I give this trailer. Uh, uh, we have uh, Raul Julia just walking by the living room, and he sees suddenly Gary Busey's like doing an activity and then suddenly reverses and goes right back to the couch like it reverses in time and goes up to this fridge again pours some milk reverses back to the couch and while julia's seeing this happen he's like wait a minute i never mind 
I really don't care. Nothing about this is interesting. I don't care. And he walks away because that's how I feel about this movie. <laughs> that's fair. Time loops, whatever the hell's going on. I just don't care. I don't. Care. Oh, yeah, there are some interesting concepts, but like, I just I don't know. I don't know what Sony's doing enough to be excited about this movie. I don't think they're excited about this movie. Yeah. I don't know. So now we all have to live through it. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> oh, uh, well, that brings us to the well, end of the episode, huh? That does. That brings us to the end of episode 184 of A Play on Nerds. Join us next time when we celebrate the release of the whimsical movie Wonka, much anticipated. And to honor it, we're going to re- talk about uh, some themes in line with the original Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder story of uh, people lured to a fantastical place only to be put into competition, killed off one at a time in terrible and horrendous ways until only one remains. We're going to be reviewing Escape Room. Yes. A movie I haven't seen. I'm excited. I'm, and I'm excited because I love it. Uh, so join us for that. Come on back and be our nerdy audience. We will come on back and be your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?